is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edmonds. And welcome to Show Notes, the podcast for performers with Emily Edmonds. The long-form conversation that you're going to hear today is all about birth and babies as a freelance performer. I embarked on this conversation um, about motherhood, essentially motherhood, parenthood as well, but um, motherhood, growing a baby, giving birth to a baby, having a newborn um, as a freelance performer because... As a woman in the performing arts, I feel like there is so much subliminal and really obvious messaging about what we can or can't do or have when it comes to families and caregiving and babies. And I really wanted to dig deep into this topic. Uh, Yeah, there's there's just so much out there about this. And I think it's so important that we're promoting really robust and meaningful and detailed conversation about this, uh, about this topic. I really wanted to kind of break down the phrase that people say like, oh yeah, it's hard, but it's great. Or, you know, it's, it's great, but it is really hard, you know, whatever version it comes out in. Um, I just wanted to break that down and be like, okay, sure. Like I get it, but tell me why it's hard. And if we talk about together why it's hard, then we will surely share the information that we're all experiencing kind of as individuals or in tiny communities and um, be better informed and be able to make better, more empowered choices. And yeah, just, I don't know, I'm I'm all about sharing the information. Uh, And I just think we really just, we really just don't talk about this. We experience it as individual units uh, and, and we're not conversing about it. So The more conversation, the better, in my opinion, and also the more detailed, rich, curious conversation. So we really kind of break down the it's hard, but it's great phrase. Um, And Sam is incredible. Um, Samantha Crawford, who I'm talking to today, she's an operatic soprano, and she's really vulnerable and honest and generous in uh, sharing her perspective and her experience. And um, we both hope that this can add to a really informed, open, honest dialogue, uh, dialogue about parenthood in the arts. So some of the things we talk about are the unexpected joys of parenthood, vulnerability, community, positive dialogue around parenting, uh, this concept of the fourth trimester, which you may or may not have run into. It's really fascinating. Uh, living away from family support, preparations and plans, boundaries, communication, and the power of asking for support financial planning and we get really detailed with this you know so many people say oh it's just expensive to have a baby yes how expensive like how expensive are we talking what figures are we talking what am i needing to pay for you know just you know let's get some let's get some facts on board people um traveling with a baby reaching out when lonely so important uh and often not talked about as well specific joys and specific challenges so again we just dive deep into that idea of joy and challenge real and perceived influence of pregnancy on auditioning and getting cast big topic um as i've said in many other episodes um or will say in future episodes we don't know all the answers we don't have all the answers but that should never stop us having from the uh, from having the conversation so we kind of dive dive into that as well and there's you know i think as we mentioned in in the episode we could have just an episode about that topic and we probably will in future um but you know the 
yeah, the influence of pregnancy on auditioning and getting cast, the real and perceived influence of that, the experience of women in this space and women in opera. Again, that is many episodes. And actually what I would really like to do is a women in opera series um, and or women in acting and or women in performing arts. Um, Yeah, really fascinating. But being kind to yourself and in the moment, the power of conversation, women's power. So, you know, even though Sam's an operatic soprano, this is going to apply to kind of any freelance performer who operates in, in that freelance system. Um, and especially women in that space. So if you know a woman or you love a woman, um, it'll also be really interesting from that perspective. Uh, some practicalities, so stuff like breastfeeding on the job and some details and practicalities you might not have thought of or you've been inquiring about. Auditioning after giving, uh, auditioning after giving birth and some general helpful resources. Uh, we do uh, give the details of the resources mentioned in the show notes and all of Sam's details as well. Um, as ever, please bear in mind that it's just a conversation between two individuals. Your feelings and your experience may totally differ from what we discuss. But my hope is that this conversation can help you more deeply and understand, uh, deeply understand and converse about what is actually important to you and what your feelings are on this topic. Everything is valid and there's space here for everyone. So enjoy this podcast episode all about birth and babies as a freelancer. first thing that came to me is that I don't think people I was reflecting on this as parenthood as general not just specific to singers but I know we're being specific to life as a singer but just that I don't think the joy of parenthood is talked about enough because Mm. um I don't know it just so exceeded my expectations I think from the chats I had had before I was I kind of had my expectations down managed which is probably slightly better way around to be maybe than just sort of floating along in a bubble like it's all going to be euphoric and then actually (laughs) it is obviously as people will tell you it is really tough especially in the very early teeny tiny baby stage but um just like no matter how tough a day is there is so much joy and you are it's a it's incredible to sort of fall in love again I mean I've been married to my husband for a long time and that's wonderful but our love is like a mature love and it feels different and when you have a baby you sort of like fall in love all over again it Mm. is an amazing thing and that's happening every day um in amongst all the crazy that's going on like (laughs) attempting to breastfeed and sterilize bottles and keep your house in order and learn new music and all of that um yeah, I just think the, the sheer delight of falling in love and also that people don't tell you that parenthood is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, no one really said that to me. And I was like, oh, there's lots of stuff that's just deeply, deeply funny. Like just yeah. funny things about when they're learning or um, like when you just make terrible decisions because you're so sleep deprived. I once <laughs> took, um, I was trying to slowly wean our daughter so you can mix in sort of baby rice into their milk to thicken it up so I had this sterilized water and then I was supposed to mix some formula into it and that makes up the milk and then I was going to thicken it but I just forgot the milk altogether and I only brought the like <laughs> rice the thicky rice stuff tipped that into the water shook it and it's just this like disgusting glue but I felt awful because I didn't then have any milk with me so I didn't buy any backup stuff and the poor thing I was trying to feed it to in a bottle being like yeah no it's legit milk honestly and she had a little face looking at me like what is this mum and I was just crying with laughter like oh just being a terrible parent so today I'm trying funny. to feed her like watery rice mush and there's no <laughs> nutritional milk value in it and I just 
Unfortunately, she's too young to remember anything yet, but I just was like crying with laughter because I just thought I could cry about this, but honestly, it's just so funny. Um, yes. It might not be funny to an outsider, but at that moment, no. I was like, parenthood is just really funny. I love it. And, and I'm sure says, so many people have experiences like that and no one really talks about it. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of like, oh, am I the only one who's accidentally done this ridiculous thing today? Yeah, I feel the main... Something I've learned a lot is that uh, vulnerability, mm. when you model vulnerability, it definitely brings it out in people, which has been a wonderful thing because yeah. um, I have a lovely group of friends and I'm not, and a mix of parents and non-parent friends. Mm. Um, and it was, it's just been great to share in every direction. Um, I've really enjoyed all my friends who aren't parents who are really curious. It was great to be vulnerable and honest and share with them. And I think yeah. that was helpful for them, but also to, to then understand my parenting friends more because obviously I now have more insight into what their lives have been like up to this point where I hadn't been a parent and um, they have really encouraged me and then as soon as I shared any stories they did as well and um, yeah I just that that helped breed more of that positive dialogue around around parenting because I think it can either be just silent or negative which are you know there's a third thing which is also and it can be great so yeah. you just need to have that added into the mix exactly and I um, think the fact that we don't you know especially as freelancers um yeah. we don't necessarily have the community so it's not like we go to work mm. every day with the same people and we go oh you know um Joan from desk one had a baby and we talked about it and this you know Absolutely. we don't have those consistent communities necessarily and we have to really work hard to create them so you know, I, I'm not sure that these conversations actually are as rich as they could be, you know, which is amazing that, you know, we're talking about it today and you can be so vulnerable and open about it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, you asked me to have a little think about what were some of the challenges. Yeah, and one of the things I did write down was about community. Um, mm. They def- they talk about after you've had your baby, you living in the, what's called the fourth trimester. I don't know if you've ever heard that language bandied mm. around, but you have your three trimesters of pregnancy and then this time afterwards. And at that stage, you're at your, you're probably your most emotional and physically vulnerable, but I say more than even when you're in the last part of your pregnancy, because mm. there's just so much change going on. You're adjusting hugely and having a community around you at that point is just so, so key. We did things like, so my husband and I happen to be planners. Uh, we're not <laughs> like, it. yeah, just see how the wind blows. Because we're both <laughs> self-employed. Yeah. We're both self-employed. Anytime we were taking off, you know, there's no maternity leave. We mm. were just losing money and we had, you know, we saved in order to have a little bit of paid help because we, um, like a lot of, other people who are seeing as we don't live near a lot of our family that are available I mean lots of people are living abroad from their families or have married internationally and then live in a country that's different to maybe both your nationalities so bringing bringing a baby into the world and surviving those first surviving and enjoying those first (laughs) few months um it's just so key so Matt I'll just tell you some of the things we did that we thought well we can't control everything but let's at least plan for what we can put in place mm-hmm. um it's like putting tent pegs into the ground so that as the wind blows something's at least in place yeah the tent's gonna flap but yeah you've got spot something on. anchored and the things we did where we did a meal train <laughs> so you could just sign up online to mealtrain.com or something and um you just send an email out to all your friends on it and it, it just has a little message from you saying hey guys we've our due date's roughly here and then it gives a diary and essentially people just um, pop in the the 
the day they think they can bring a meal over. Genius. They, they say what they're going to bring. And um, I know that's obviously a bit tough if you're... I We were in London able to be in our home for that first uh, three months. Mm. So we sort of planned it around that. But I know that'd be tougher if you're on the road. But even if you're within a company and you decided to take a gig, yeah, that was quite soon afterwards, I still think you could realistically ask your castmates I mean people are going back to their digs and a lot of people I found in our industry love to cook oh absolutely um, they'd be sure thrilled they would be happy I know yeah they would like cook a massive batch of something for you when you just have not got the capacity it's quite a small thing but also people do really love to serve if you let yeah. them and, give and them if away. you ask I think as well so many people do not ask and I, I yeah they're see afraid that. And, yeah. and people want to I found people really want to bless you and if you're not specific you will get which is lovely, but not that helpful. A lot of flowers. You yeah. just want flowers, but you can't eat them. You can get a lot of baby clothes, which are super cute, but you might want them to maybe like hoover your floor. Yeah, or exactly. Something. Like, um, and every time someone wanted to come over, if it wasn't for coffee, I'd be like, I would love to have you for lunch. It can only be from this time to this time. I was really uh, yeah. unapologetic about the fact that I had to protect my sleep because I yeah, needed a nap when. And then I said, and you will. You're, well, you're welcome to bring the food. I won't be providing any. But, um, Amazing. And then they would, bring, they would always bring lunch or dinner or something. And I think you just have to be bold. All the friends that love you will do that. And even if it's new community, I mean, people people get it. And if they're too, yeah. if they're not well-versed in, I don't know how to give your baby a bath or change it snappy, that's totally fine. You don't need to hand them the responsibility. It's going to freak them out. Just ask them to do something that they can really serve in like actually I'd be so grateful could you please pick me up um I don't know some food or we've run out of cow pole or um, yeah. I really need some face wash or shower gel we've run out of shower gel and I just you know you can definitely delegate and people will feel like they're meeting your needs yeah. you are having your needs met and it will just make you feel like that first vulnerable time you're being kind of cocooned and um, yes and you're building that community that you need I think community is enriched by communication and trust and vulnerability and asking for what we need and people can choose to make that or not you know that's their prerogative but you've asked them clearly for you know this would be a great support to me in this time there's a great phrase um I think it's that Brene Brown says which is what would support look like for you at this time what does support look like for you yeah. in this moment and i think that's so beautiful to bring into this space you know that maybe if if people ask you that question say oh you know how's your baby and is she sleeping you probably say i don't really want to talk about that what i'd love you to ask is you know yeah. what does support look like for you Absolutely. in this moment yeah it's really important and one of the biggest things we're this way inclined anyway because i we're self-employed and we're singers and we live in a you know a hard marketplace that's oversaturated and things is that it's quite mm. easy to want to compare because yeah. that happens in a work environment and then if you can transfer that into parenthood if you're not careful and quite guarded and it absolutely mm. isn't going to help you you're either only going to walk down two paths one which is pride and one which is despair so just mm. don't do it i i highly recommend not reading too many parenting books maybe read you know one that's recommended from a, a parent or perhaps two if you want to just counterbalance something but um because you are vulnerable and sleep deprived at that time and you and your partner need to knit together in your decisions, not be sort of debating them as you go. 
Uh, mm. Matt and I decided that we really wanted to do sleep training and we didn't deviate from that. And I think if we hadn't have supported each other through it when it was tough and like one of us didn't want to get up after 20 yeah. minutes because the baby's only supposed to sleep for 20 minutes at that time and we would have loved to have just carried on sleeping for an hour if she was going to sleep for an hour. Um, we just forced ourselves to do it and we absolutely reaped dividends later. But um, definitely if you can have a ch- as many chats as possible within reason about how you want to parent together that is yeah, a huge absolutely. huge support and then share that with speak about that in a roundabout way if you don't want to be direct around grandparents or aunts or uncles or just mates yeah um i think we said quite a lot of times that we were not going to do um like unstructured no bound no um no routine we matt and i said very quite from quite early on actually we really want to find a routine because we really want to know when we are able to go to sleep yeah. we really want to know we want to tag team as much as possible um there's no point in both of you being exhausted mm. even if one of you's up for moral support mm. to be honest if if one of you can get up and do a couple of hours and the other one's asleep you will just feel so much better than yeah. both of you you're excited and also you're trying to be supportive so you think it's better to just stay awake for everything but it's not yeah it's definitely better to just tap in and tap out it's like the first aid principle of like, please put your oxygen mask on first. Like, yes, <laughs> you it know. really is. Yeah. Yeah. How were really people is. in, um, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say one other thing we did for planning. Yeah, um, obviously great. the financial pressure. On I was going to ask about that. Artists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing we did was we made a big <laughs> spreadsheet of all the equipment we thought we'd need and then talked about it with some actual parents who did then clarify that were like, and you should get this. And by Amazing. the way, take that off. You'll never use it. <laughs> and then we asked around all of our friends who either just had babies or were having babies or you know or um even family that wanted to buy us gifts and stuff we just said does anyone have any of this equipment secondhand or do you know anyone are you in any mums groups or anything and we ended up getting so much of the kind of big bulky equipment either at a tiny fraction of the cost um because you just use it so quickly some things are only relevant yeah. to six weeks or even just six months but they cost a few hundred pounds each mm. um and you just kind of whiz through them and they don't even have time to get too spoiled from people using them the first time around because it's just so fast so um, we saved ourselves heaps of money from doing that which obviously if you're trying to take the pressure off yourself while you're not working you don't need everything brand spanking new your baby won't won't notice yeah Um, yeah that makes a lot of sense I was just going to ask how in terms of the financial planning and there's a few things that sort of I want to jump back into but firstly the financial planning um how did you kind of gauge how much you might need because I think that's a big knowledge gap for people is like well you know it's sort of an arbitrary amount of money as you say you know we don't get paid parental leave as freelancers necessarily on maternity leave or paternity leave um or kind of any carers leave um but sort of how did you begin to have that conversation and make that calculation I guess number one about how long you might take off you know before working again and that's probably you know exactly and that's probably a whole nother question of you know how how long was it until you probably felt okay I could start to think about working but you know let's loop that into a financial question how on earth do you begin to calculate what you might need and do you think well, how much is a baby going to cost? And people say babies are expensive. And I think, well, how expensive? Let's get specific. So I know how much, you know, <laughs> we're talking here. Does that make sense? Well, I, yeah, of course. Um, we did an estimate on some things and then other things 
you know we couldn't account for we just knew it would be an ongoing cost so it'd be impossible to fully calculate but Mm -hmm. we just knew look this is going to come into our monthly expenses always so let's let's adjust for that um so there's so something i'll say about the balancing of the books i mean if you i don't know what it's like to single parents so i'm just not going to comment on that too much but obviously I imagine much harder because it's just your one income you're thinking Mm -hmm. about but for Matt and I both being self-employed we made the decision that we couldn't afford to have loads of child care whilst I was taking some time off and not doing as many gigs at the beginning and because Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing as many um, opera contracts which obviously are more lucratively paid than concert work and I thought it would be easier to dot in my concert work because obviously it's less time away from home and the baby and it's not as strenuous on taking the whole show on the road so to speak Mm. Um, but so during that time I knew that I would be taking on the role of of doing primary caring so that he could go and earn as much money as he could in his job and then when we got to the point where my contract started to kick back in some money was being earned in order to start paying for some of the childcare because as you know most of our contracts get paid after the fact yeah so i couldn't then fork out for childcare with money i hadn't earned Mm. to take the contract that then i would be paid for afterwards (laughs) so you do (laughs) need to think about that (laughs) Yeah. yeah do you think about that with the ebb and the ebb and flow um so for the first So immediately after uh, our daughter was born, we budgeted for something called a postnatal doula. A doula is Mm. someone who holistically helps and supports the family. A lot of people have them for birth or birthing partners. um, They're sort of of like a midwife, but not. But but we didn't need it for that. We needed someone to be like... uh, holistic support to us as a family unit of three mm. immediately afterwards for a few weeks because uh Matt took very little time away from his job and then I knew I'd just sort of be day in day out doing trying to <laughs> work out how to do everything and keep mm. a baby alive <laughs> so we we budgeted for that up front um you can look online there's and um, there are doula registered websites and then you can get in touch with them and they say their rates they're roughly between I'm speaking in pounds i don't know where everyone's listening from but Mm. (laughs) um in pounds sterling there are they were about 15 pounds an hour for doulas that were being mentored that weren't fully that hadn't passed their final qualifications and then they go up to about 25 pounds for well experienced and you know um fully qualified doulas yeah and obviously it's a very personal thing because you're inviting someone into your home so then we interviewed a couple and had them over to meet us and whether we sort of felt we had the chemistry Mm. um but that was a that was an absolutely amazing investment for us because that could be wherever you were working in the world it doesn't it's not you know uk specific um which would be amazing because if you were going on a if you're working like you know i'm about to work in tell if you wanted to hire a Mm. Uh, you know Spanish one then that that would be amazing it's totally different to a nanny because a doula can come for sort of three or four hours only um if you want just to get some alleviation so you can either have a nap or take a shower or you just need a bit of support breastfeeding or you need to learn your music oh. or just anything they're Fantastic. there just to kind of ease and they don't they don't charge what you know having a paid nurse or that kind of that kind of thing would be so we said up front, let's budget for her to help us for the first six to eight weeks, I think. Yeah. And then we actually, I think we budgeted 
for her for six weeks, but because we didn't use her quite as much as we thought we would, because actually more friends and community were were available, and we mm. actually had a, quite an easy baby, we stretched it out to eight. But that was a really that's a calculatable expense that you can do up front. And um, then yeah. it's kind of your discretion as to whether you want to extend it. But then after that, I just um, we we had an up we had an upfront cost for um, nappies because we're doing cloth nappies. We don't have an ongoing expense of disposable nappies. Yeah. So I say we spent about two hundred pounds on all the equipment, all the the nappies and the wash buckets and that kind of. Mm. stuff but we don't incur that ongoing cost um you don't actually have any food well sorry that's if you're breastfeeding you don't have any food costs for quite a while which is always useful um I did start using formula from about the second month in every now Mm. and then just when I couldn't be available to do every breastfeed and I was expressing as well so I got Matt to um help as much as possible so that I could have a bit longer sleep um that was an ongoing cost but then like I said we tried to ask for as much secondhand equipment as possible um some things you have to buy like a push chair and Mm. some sort of sleeping device but quite a few of them are one-offs and when people say having a baby is expensive I think they mean possibly they overbought equipment that was then superfluous yeah that's a really interesting perspective I was surprised I mean you can buy chairs that sort of self-rock the baby and things like that but that costs and <laughs> they go they go for anything between 300 to 500 pounds whereas you could buy just one of the baby seating support chairs that um don't rock themselves but you could rock it a little bit but plus your baby's probably content to sit there without it rocking yeah. all the time and <laughs> that, that cost about a tenth of the price and quite honestly someone would probably give you one second hand yeah you could get one for 50 pounds um and it can just become like i was talking about don't compare but it can come become competitive because if you're used to someone that likes to look a certain way or have a certain aesthetic in life it could become like that for you that you really want the best of everything because it's a reflection of you but I just I I I tried to get better equipment that was second hand because the money would go further so we were given a cot that cost I don't know 700 pounds or something and we gave them a nominal like 50 quid for it because they were just trying to get rid of it there's so Um, much stuff in the world you know there's so much stuff floating around like it doesn't even make sense for us to get new stuff people are desperate to get rid of baby equipment i cannot tell you no one has any spare room to store all this big bulky stuff yeah certainly not in big cities i mean everybody's pressured with space in their their houses Mm. um they so you'd be surprised once you start asking I'm sure you'd get a lot of stuff in but I had other friends that were saying to me like I want the very best of my baby and I won't be having this you know I won't have a hand-me-down anything I was like okay well gosh yeah that's 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 financially they were able to do that but um yeah I it wasn't worth it for us and like I said half that stuff is not being used anymore and was just very transitory absolutely so and then the other main cost of course (laughs) childcare. so then uh, i got uh, our daughter was about four months old and we'd reached the point where like my contracts were beginning to start kicking in by where i needed more time than i could manage between naps and sort of the routine we'd got her in Mm. to prepare stuff because you need to 
as you know, before the actual performance itself, <laughs> there's there's yoga, there's breathing exercises, there's learning the music, there's going out to your coach to or to your teacher. There's totally. quite, there's a lot of hours of prep time, mm. and I couldn't. No matter how savvy I was being, I couldn't fit all of that in round. Unsurprisingly, I just <laughs> thought I would be somehow superwoman. But <laughs> got to the crux point where I said I need at least two days a week help because one one day personally for me wouldn't be enough to have like powered down from the crazy baby yeah totally. stuff and concentrate and weekends when Matt was around a bit more still he still needed to break some his work sometimes I couldn't just sort of constantly rely on him to do everything during that time and we still didn't have family that were available to come and um you know give us free childcare and stuff like that so that that is our biggest cost and it's ongoing and then by the time it got to the summer and I was starting to do con um, opera contracts again by the time she was eight months old um I realized again that obviously an opera role is different to concert work and we began to research nurseries and they are cheaper than having a nanny um but I'm glad we waited because I began to build up trust obviously it's really daunting sort of handing the care of your child to anyone so nanny's great because they it's in your house Mm. um and they can come on the road with you if you if you want for a concert or a gig um but uh but with um sorry with a with a nursery it's obviously local so it's it's different I mean it was only because my opera contract fell in the UK that that worked out it wouldn't have wouldn't have been as easy if I was abroad yeah, what would I'm you do? Go... Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just about to do it, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to work at Teatro Real, and obviously I won't be enrolling her in a nursery there. I've employed um, two nannies that were recommended by the Opera House themselves. They've been really supportive, which is great. And then oh, you just, I put as one of my notes, make make peace with yourselves that a big portion of your fee at the start of being a parent will go towards extra baby expenses yeah. such as childcare or hiring equipment and um, airplane some airlines are quite good and you get like two extra pieces of equipment for free but you can't like fly your high chair out and just yeah i was going <laughs> to ask about that what do you do like in terms of when we were talking about you know getting staff and you go what do you do when you're sort of somewhere else so abroad yeah um so i wrote to the people when i was um looking for digs I wrote and said, my daughter's going to come with me for a part of this contract. Um, and it says that children are welcome in your house, but actually what is that? You know, you've got to be specific. Um, mm. So they, they're going to provide a cot, for example, but there won't be a high chair. So I've got, I got back in touch with the nannies and they were very helpful um, and, and gave me a hiring, a baby equipment hiring thing. I didn't even know such a thing existed, but no, it comes geez. back. To, yeah, it comes back to the thing you said, which is if you don't ask, for help like asking for help is not a weakness it has made me stronger every time I've asked for help I've enriched my knowledge and I've made my life easier and I've been Mm. able to parent better and I've been able to sing better because I'm more relaxed and my mind is not consumed with like you know something to do with life admin so asking for help is a is a great way for people to step up and feel like they're serving you and people are only too keen I've just found people have been so sort of lovely um yeah I was expecting it to be a bit more uh maybe just to fight my corner a bit more and um, because you hear that comes back to what you said again though is because things have been framed can seem somewhat negatively so yeah, you, I, I felt so. like I would have to be more on the defense but that I haven't really found 
that to be the case, but that is because I've been vocal, I think. If you just stay silent and terrified, things can begin to mount up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling with sleep deprivation or perhaps you are having some ongoing medical issues or, you know, other stuff that you feel you perhaps can't talk about, then um, I can see how you could very easily feel isolated. But I just want to break that stigma and just say that the more you share wisely with people that you Mm. trust Um, I think the more you'll find there's support out there and that most people have gone through exactly I was gonna say that and they're just not saying it Um, it's probably perpetuated a little bit by the (laughs) the curse of social media in that um, it's always like hashtag living my best life (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah I just it's great to celebrate how wonderful it is to be a parent like oh it's good to celebrate anything online I have no I have no problem with that at all I just also want to keep a pepper a, like a sprinkling of realism there yeah. and um it can it's all it's all um aggregated by algorithms anyway so sometimes mm. it can feed you down a rabbit hole that actually you're not in the good a good frame of mind to be doing that so don't yeah you're not don't uh, on social media reach out to a friend instead like ask someone if you and be honest like I was even too not scared but I was just so into this um I hadn't even realized that I always wanted to present great at all times and it was Mm. Matt my husband who just said it's okay for you to say the real reason why you'd like someone to to catch up with you like don't just reach out and say it'd be great to see you something something a little bit vague he's like just say because I'm lonely yeah or you know I'm feeling isolated it's making my head go into not a great place and I was like man I've not even given myself permission to just like own it like that sometimes so um yeah absolutely I think uh, parenthood has just made me become more direct not in an aggressive way just in a freeing way I want to hear more about sort of the specific elements that makes it that make it tough Um, and sort of specifically the joys and I guess wrapped up in that the second part of the question is was there anything that was surprising to you is there anything that is surprising when you when you you mentioned your non-parent friends and that you were then able to chat to them about what it might be like for them you know is there anything that was a surprise for you anything that was a surprise for them when you were talking to them about it so but you know kind of within this framework of why why tough and why joyful Something that was tough. Um, oh, disclaimer, my daughter's 15 months old. Everything I'm saying is like learned within that time reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently pregnant with number two, which is very exciting. Woo-hoo. So I'm also woo, living it, living her her toddlerhood through the joys of, I say joys in inverted commas for that time because <laughs> um, of morning sickness and exhaustion and all that stuff. But um, mm. yes, yeah, all very exciting. But that's, that's the context in which I say this. It's, um, it's early days. But um, it's all extremely fresh in my memory. Yeah. So what I specifically found tough, um, so auditioning through pregnancy and morning sickness is is tough. Um, there's, you know, you're at a point where you don't, uh, you know our work is booked well in advance. So it's in your interest, of course, to keep keep auditioning as 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 far into your pregnancy as you can because you're booking work that might not take place for two years which would be well after the fact of you know having your child and there'll already be a toddler by the time some of those contracts come into being mm. and um it is really 
tough because you're feeling the financial pressure of that and also you might not be in a position to say and um as you know things get round very very fast when you do say them so perhaps if you want to keep a level of privacy and not have that be part of the consideration when you audition for things i was gonna um, ask was was that a part of it? i mean you know it's it's not sort of the 1950s anymore but i do feel like sometimes in opera it kind of is like did you feel like people sort of I don't know did you feel either literally or like energetically that people were a little bit um influenced when they either knew you were pregnant or saw you were pregnant when you were auditioning or talking about projects the short answer is yes Mm. uh that could be partly my perception I didn't ask any of them outright directly hey are you considering the fact that I'm pregnant as a that's a problem because by law no one is allowed to I think I'm right in saying in the UK you can't be pregnancy is not allowed to be a consideration for not being employed yeah um however as you know it's casting it's different um and someone another singer I went I went and sat down with two parents other sopranos actually because they walk a similar line to me as a soprano Mm. and I said what do you think about um, when you should, how long should you be auditioning, or does it matter about you know your bump showing or that kind of thing? And mm. um, one of them said to me, "I think for the companies that knew me, it wasn't a problem. They knew my work. I went and sang for them. I booked things again, and that was great. But I felt more nervous going to the new ones that I was being put forward for. And by that point, my pregnancy was pretty obvious. And although I think I probably." sung absolutely fine they just didn't need to take that gamble um because they don't know how your voice is going to sound afterwards and as you know anything in our voice any stress any life event Mm. um just like everything you know affects the vocal cords and so pregnancy is perhaps considered i don't know maybe a gamble of course it can be fantastic and um i actually did have a great pregnancy and a great birth and didn't feel like there were problems to sort of fix afterwards but for a company that doesn't know you perhaps it's something they consider because if they've got another soprano right behind you that isn't pregnant and Gee, it's pretty extraordinary it's, I, well, I you know I have like I said I haven't I couldn't say hand on heart that ever happened directly because I didn't ask the panel etc <laughs> etc et but it just made me think like oh yeah another another soprano was thinking that when she went and did her auditions um when it when it when I was really pregnant I still went and did a couple of things that were quite high profile for people that didn't know me and that went well because I was kind of like I think they were probably slightly shocked that I was there just (laughs) um but it was a but it was framed really positively I did um a big new competition that was being launched that year called the Hong Kong International operatic singing competition Mm. um like seven and a half months pregnant but you know there was just no hiding it so I just went out and kind of sung it I had a great time and from there the people that I was wanting to book auditions for said when you feel strong enough after you've given birth please do come and sing for us which is definitely fantastic yeah that was a brilliant way round, and that has been that has come true to form and it has been a really positive thing I think um and I went back to companies that I had sung for before for example, Teatro Real, the one mm. I'm about to go to. And I was visibly pregnant when I sung for them and that wasn't a problem and they were very positive. And, um, but again, I think you just 
just need to be wise to yourself. If it makes you feel so nervous about a company that don't know you, that you think it's actually just going to affect your audition because your head, you know, your head game is, your headspace yeah. is full of worry, then maybe just don't do it. Just take a foot off the gas. Um, we freak out looking at our diaries even with any sort of <laughs> like small six months gap. But honestly, no one else is stressing about that as much as you. That audition mm. will come around again in another six months' time if you just wait. It's better to not sing and make a not great impression and need to wait two years yeah. than just to actually delay something by six months and then go and sing and feel confident and also that you took control of the situation yeah not absolutely. that you were just having to do something based out of fear because the worst decisions you can make are like out of fear mm. um i think it's really interesting in that circumstance is that it's really tricky i think this i think it's a common theme in women's health um just in my personal opinion that you know we might feel like oh, is that in my head? Am I just taking my own, you know, projection into the audition room? You know, is it just me making myself nervous and actually they don't care? That person had a great experience. That person maybe didn't have a great experience. You know, I think it just personally it can be really tricky because I think, big generalisation, but so often as women we can write stuff off in our experience or our perception or our instinct. Well, you know, Maybe I'm just thinking that. And actually, that experience might be really true for some women. Um, You know, I think in some cases in the opera sphere, you know, you might have companies that are super understanding and super woke in terms of this stuff. You might have some really old school casting directors or companies that, you know, might think, oh, no, hang on. You know, they might still be stuck in the 1950s with employment policy, you know, because my grandmother was still in an era where, you have a baby, you can't work anymore. And I think that, you know, yes, maybe people are thinking about, okay, this is the vocal, there might be a vocal change. But I think people also just, maybe there's just some instinctive programming that's not necessarily been cleared totally yet where they go, oh, well, if you're a mother, how will you, all the judgment comes in, how will you do this? And how will you commit to my thing? And will you be there? And how will your performance be? And, you know, which I think is bullshit. But I do maintain that I think there are still some people that might think like that you know and the reason why I want to bring that up is because I think you know it's probably not just oh maybe women it's in their head do you know what I mean yeah I think I've definitely observed that it's sort of societally still absorbed it's still a bit in the bloodstream because I on the pre-side of on the before being a parent was in the more fear zone I was making my decisions more out of that like fearful frame because there weren't lots of I I wasn't aware of lots of women especially in opera sort of flying the flag and saying oh I haven't been judged and it is great and I do Mm. feel good it was this this murmuring of um you need to you need to sort of go out there and prove it even even more so afterwards I put this immense pressure on myself no other people didn't I slightly absorbed it from what I perceived was going on, but I just put this huge pressure on myself to get out there extremely fast afterwards. I was <laughs> yeah. up and about on day two. I was performing by week eight, which meant I had to do my prep time before that because wow. you can't start. But um, something I've learned is I will extend that for number two. I do not need to prove to anyone in the world that yeah. my voice is still capable at singing eight weeks after giving birth. It was the first time and that's fine. But it was also fine, like, through all the other crazies of the first year of of raising our daughter and the, 
you know, the long haul exhaustion that kind of kicks in. Um, And I should just be kinder to myself. I think it's a really good, a really helpful thing this has helped me do is both live very much in the present for the moment, the way that a child lives because they can only Mm. be present. They don't think about the past or the future. So that's extremely helpful. It's very, very freeing. But also it's helped me extend my view. So now I think about everything in terms of another 25 years worth of working in the arts. um, It's got to be sustainable. Yeah, and just what would I like to sing in the next eight years kind of thing rather than just what's happening in the next 18 months because when you do when you do that you become paralyzing and also it can just start to rob you of the joy of the moment and you just get miserable and that's true whether you have uh, babies or not in the mix but um Mm. I just it really clarified that for me I was like I'm not going to be miserable about the sort of immediate uncertainty of things I'm going to audition for what I feel I can I'm going to stop so that for example in this the first pregnancy I auditioned right up until six weeks before birth and I'm really glad I didn't book that particular role because I would have had to have learned a new role then um in the sort of six weeks before I gave birth as this is way harder to learn music afterwards Mm. and and then I would have gone when she was five months old I would have been working and touring and it would have just been a humongous stress on our family and I just really loved nurturing her and I was really happy doing concert work for the first few months and then I knew about the you know opera coming when she was uh, eight months and that was a way better way round but I just before I had her I had no idea how much time I would want to be with her which people do talk about that's mm. one of the joyful things yeah I was gonna I say let's thing. jump back to the joys <laughs> yeah we'll ride that bandwagon the joyful thing is um people say this phrase of yes but you know it's you, you're not sure how you won't wait until they come you don't know how much you want to be away from them it's something you need to decide and I uh it, it's just hard to it's I don't know whether it's just the hormones or them being in your arms or the fact that you just did the marathon of giving birth or all of it combined, but it's just so monumental that um, it's hard to explain that to someone before they've, I don't know, I couldn't I couldn't just theorise it in my head or imagine it. it. When it actually happened, then I was like, oh, now I see. Um, I fell, you know, completely in love and I really enjoyed the time with her and I really enjoyed the nurturing. I really enjoyed that those precious moments and I just thought oh she is going to be small for such a small amount of my life she's only going to be under one for one year of my life and under two for the two years of my life Mm -hmm. so whichever whichever work comes in you know I'm still extremely motivated and um forthright with carving my career as best as I as I can but I had a huge a huge amount of joy weighing with with a huge amount of peace I think and like a deep settling peace that actually um I didn't want to take more time away than was booked. I usually, whenever there was a gap in my diary before, I would just step on the accelerator and be like, fill it. Mm. But when there was a gap this time and she was there, I was like, that's great. I'm going to be with her and it's a choice I'm making. And it's not because I'm fearful about when I get employed in the future. It's because I love, love being with her. And yes, of course, it's tiring, but that's why you should definitely go for sleep training. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) If you can. Yeah, um, and find something that works for you. Yeah, I think it really comes back to the idea of not needing to prove ourselves and to kind of um, escape that fear trap, to escape the yeah. trap of, you know, that driven 
fearful, forceful energy is just, you know, it comes back to something as um, silly as like we are enough. But I think it's about taking back our power as women and saying, I'm going to stand in the divine feminine energy and the divine feminine energy is so powerful. It doesn't need to push. It doesn't need to prove. I don't need to prove I'm worthy of being in this space. But in fact, I think it's also taking hold of the transformation that takes place. When a woman becomes a mother, I think there's an incredible transformation that takes place. So instead of the fear around, will I be able to deliver in my job as as I used to? Will I be able to sing as I used to? Probably neither of those things, probably completely transformed and different. Transformed and different is not negative. And I'd really like to, you know, really challenge that yeah. belief um that i think is so prevalent in a um i'm gonna say personally yeah. i believe often a male dominated or at least a male energy dominated um culture yes i i agree with everything you've just said um i definitely have felt that um if matt's not the singer he's in a different sphere of work mm. but i just cannot imagine that he would have had to audition with the thought of I need to reprove myself oh it's madness <laughs> isn't it when he went back to work yeah and I wonder because even why though he's become a father yeah even though he's become a father it's just somehow different and this isn't some of the I, I have been reading and have have seen how the worlds of opera and opera critics have treated women um especially commenting on uh, mothers mm. I can think of two female singers in particular I'm not going to mention their names but they were in like very high <laughs> uh, well-reviewed press articles and there was quite a big backlash about the way that um, they'd been spoken about because it was with reference to motherhood and that somehow that was and, and the commenting on their physique and that to do with um, their ability to do their role and it was just really uncalled for and I've never I've never heard of a male equivalent of of um you know, a male being commented on that he looks sleep deprived or perhaps he fluffed his high notes because he hadn't had as much sleep because the baby was crying. I don't know. Just yeah. there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a bit of a gender gap there. That's, um, I think there really do with is. Being closed. Yeah. And I think also the fact that we don't talk about, it's almost like there's sort of taboo. So there's a lot of women wandering around kind of going, Oh God, I feel very, as we say, fearful about auditioning, fearful about, will it be different after birth? And, you know, there's, as we said, there's a million things that impact the voice. And uh, yeah, I just think it is, it is, it takes away our power. It takes away the power of the transformation. It takes away who we are now. Why was who we were then kind of more valued than who we are now? It just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole space that I think isn't conversed about enough and enough and because we don't converse about it there's all this stuff living under the surface and everyone goes on feeling the same things in their own individual lives and existences but no one has discussed it so we can't sort of turn a light on in the dark place if that makes sense yes completely agree um i think more more helpful balanced conversations need to happen and i think the best conversations i've had have been the ones that have come out of relational things the worst conversations you can happen are sound bites or mudslinging on um, online stuff mm. where there's just where it doesn't where there's no real relationship things have changed or been reframed in a more positive light or like i said for example doing that competition um right sort of, sort of towards the end of my pregnancy but then being offered auditions out of it and stuff like that happened part in part because i also just went up and humanized myself and chatted and yes. i had some well it wasn't like they were giving special dispensation because oh well well done the pregnant lady she sang you know <laughs> almost as well as the other finalists so it was just like no i'm holding my own i wouldn't you wouldn't have legitimately given me you know given me the opportunity you wouldn't have put me in the finals if i, if I hadn't have 
you know, um, being a worthy competitor. So yeah, I've, I've exactly. no reason to feel fearful now about going up to you and saying, hi, would you audition me? Because I've every right to be here, mm. like all the, the people who aren't really pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I also, to go back to you saying about owning your power and yeah. um, that you shouldn't downplay yourself when you become a mother because people do talk about a sort of a loss of identity or it's mm. there's a lot of new stuff you're grappling with and um, you're suddenly so needed by someone all the time and that's a bit all-consuming and sometimes you just need to come up for her and be like, well, I've also lo- you know had a, like, a lovely singing career and that's something that's really important to me too, but yeah. it can feel... There's so many hours going towards the care of the baby to start with. It does ease back up and balance out, but I can understand why people can get a bit overwhelmed in that case but I've never felt more strong and more empowered after like carrying especially towards the end when you're so aware you've got this huge person strapped onto the front of you Mm. basically a whole other human and then after giving birth and beginning to nurture and breastfeed and stuff I was like I am woman hear me roar this is so amazing and I had this huge um not just the hormones but a massive amount of adrenaline like rushed through my body and I just felt so another really positive thing that's come out of having a child is that it's very clarifying so it hugely helped me cut away things that I no longer had the time or the energy for because I respected myself more. I respected my body, so I was kinder to it where where I wouldn't have been before. I mean, being a thing is demanding. And to give myself permission to sort of get a massage if I was getting loads of neck tension or, mm. you know, um, or just a night off, like where I didn't get, think, must write back to more casting agents because can never, never step away from being on the job and just sort of to sit down and have a G&T and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just, I found it really clarifying. And I also, it helped me cut away some not that helpful relationships. Um, Mm. I thought I don't have time to reach out to people that don't really want to reciprocate. And I naturally am an initiator. I'm slightly type A and like on the (laughs) front foot of things, which I think most, a lot of performers are because you self- Yeah, self-employ, self-regulate. Yeah, and you're your your own business. Mm. You're a business of one. And that really helped me because um, I realised it was using up time that one, I didn't have to give, but two, that other people deserved it more. Once I didn't use time on those things, I had a bit more energy for my husband or for myself or just for taking pleasure in the moment. I wasn't thinking about writing back to another WhatsApp message that I didn't really want to engage with. So Mm. it was very freeing in that respect. And even from a work perspective, um, it was helpful because I just thought, Every time you ask me now to spend time away from my daughter, I'm going to have to think about, is it worth it? Is it worth it in a, a CV building sense and a role sense? Is this something I've done before that I can sing without too much extra time away? Can I financially afford to learn a new role? Because that requires way more coaching than ones I've already done. All that also, kind of stuff. do I want to spend my heartbeats on this? Like that's a big yeah. guiding yeah. Um, principle for me is like more than anything, this is my time on the earth. These are my heartbeats yeah. that I'm spending do I want to be doing that in your rehearsal room or do I want to be doing that in this rehearsal room or do I want to be doing that with my family? You know, it's, I think that negotiation I imagine becomes different as well. Yeah. uh, But in a really helpful way, it's not in a negative way. You get to make it out of a, well, my first option is this incredible place of love and joy. (laughs) And of course it's hard work with my baby, but like an amazing thing is the thing I'd be stepping away from. Not like I'm picking between the lesser of two evils. Exactly. It's, It's like, there's a great option and then there's the work option which could also be great but if you think it's going to be sort of slightly less than or it or in fact even extremely stressful then that's okay because that what you get to then choose is the really joyful great I'm with my baby option like yeah. something like that you know you're already picking from something that's that's great um and if it's the right 
balance and the right gig and it's worth it then that's also amazing because you then get it's nice to have time away from your (laughs) yeah i guess the self-identity as you said yeah it's just it's really exhilarating you absolutely love what you do and you kind of sing with a new i personally sing with a new freedom and abandon because it helped me break some of that fear i was I didn't really subscribe to this wholly, but it just helped take another layer away of I am I am more than my voice. Like that's not yeah. the totality of who I am. My identity is um spreading out more and more and more. I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend, a mother. Um, I'm involved in these communities. I care about championing women. I at the time was running a creative professionals network as well. Mm. I, I like I have a love of things in London. I love to do crafts. I just all these things were making up my who I was as a person and yes. it just helped me again not not hang everything on my auditions it sort of made me it freed me up to be more passionate and more focused when I was at doing my work and sort of ask more of myself because I thought I can go for excellence because yeah. that's the incredible privilege I've been given with with the with the musicians I work with and the institutions I went to so that is amazing and I won't take that for granted but I don't have to be absolutely bullied and like suffocated by perfectionism because oh, I can't ever yes. reach that. And um, you're only too aware of your, your flaws and your, your exhaustion or your... I just, I was amazed. Another joyful thing about becoming a parent is, guess what? You can do all the gigs you probably thought you never could do on less sleep, less, <laughs> less nutritious food and less exercise than you would have, or rehearsal time than you would have ever considered before you were a parent. Yeah. but because you've chosen to engage with that gig and you can't account for like the, the three nights before leading up you thought oh, they'll all be lovely and planned and this is how it's going to go and it just didn't go like that with a little one guess what you can still pull it out the bag and it's so liberating you're like oh I'm am- this is amazing like all those years of like muscle training and the fact <laughs> that once you're in the room and uh, the lights go up you can deliver because you're a professional and you might yes. have been doing parenting for three months but your body's been singing for uh i've been you know, like well over a decade professionally mm. so no as you can say that's really joyful it shouldn't be another fearful thing it should be a thing that you're like hurrah despite what i thought well despite hard circumstances i actually i trust myself more wow my yeah. body's amazing um, exactly it can do all of that and still deliver at what the public perceive as good enough i'm getting their feedback they really enjoyed it that's wonderful i don't have to listen to the annoying voices in my head that are always there you know wanting to criticize you know yeah absolutely um, i think also it takes us out of the space of perfectionism as someone who has seen you perform and it was remarkable and touching and beautiful i know firsthand the power of seeing a woman in her power and i've seen it with many other friends and colleagues um and even you know people i don't know is i i think you know regardless of what a woman's life experience is whether it's a baby or something completely different i i think all of those things serve to enrich um and to strengthen and to bring us into that place of power and um vulnerability and strength and having something to offer and vulnerability as a strength and I think when we move into that place we move away from perfectionism and I think we can um opera can be so perfectionistic the arts can be so perfectionistic I think I personally I want to see someone rich and someone whole and someone wholehearted and someone multifaceted and varied in their experience yeah it doesn't move me just to see perfectionism but so often we chase perfectionism because we think that's, you know, if we do this, then this will happen. And then if I'm perfect at this, then that I will be good enough to get that job. And I just, maybe there's some people that still hire like that. But personally, I'm not interested in perpetuating that landscape in opera, in the arts. You know, I think 
it's got to it's got to be real it's got to be multifaceted and that's where we get our power absolutely if you don't let your real life experiences eventually enrich your artistry maybe yeah. some things are sort of too raw and too immediate they, mm. they take some things take mar- you know a bit of transition time yeah but um i'm looking for a real like a real life experience i don't know how else to say it um i'm looking for authenticity i'm looking for someone to really tell me a story that when they say it it's their their Spot truth on. and i buy into it and i go with it and it doesn't have to be perfect i mean you and i know that there are loads of recordings or performances or things you've seen where inverted commas perfect is is not the thing that they were going for but it is absolutely it just it meant something one of the things i wanted to talk about that is good to consider because it can be hard and my experience was like mixed with good things and also found it quite hard was breastfeeding Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone wants to do it that's down to your personal choice but I just thought I'd say a little bit about it from my experience um, and because I chatted to so many other mums that did different versions it was really interesting for me to see how all the babies by the way all the babies are fine and everybody's happy no matter what <laughs> journey people took so I just want to say that that mm. um, I don't subscribe to breast is best I subscribe to fed is best so I just thought I'd say that so um Breastfeeding is another thing that takes something from your body right after you've given birth when obviously you're in a time of healing and repairing. I'm speaking specifically about singer where your instrument is in your body and you need your full strength and to be breathing well. And um, yeah, just considering that it takes it takes a bit more from you and you definitely need to drink a lot more water. I know that most singers are like water fiends anyway, (laughs) but FYI, breastfeeding is thirsty work. (laughs) Don't stop. Um, Mm. You have to sit down more than I've ever been used to because I, (laughs) we move around a lot for our job, but breastfeeding is a lot of hours of sitting and I would just encourage you to really think about, um, it's a good chance to have great posture, try not to drop your shoulders over and slouch. I ended up going for a, a postnatal massage because I got neck tensions and things um from obviously you're tired but like do try and even in those moments use your core the best you can and you could even practice beginning to do your breathing exercise when you're breastfeeding it's a very like calm lovely maternal time um I didn't try and have loads of other distractions on personally I, I did watch a little bit of tv sometimes but I actually just really wanted to concentrate on making sure um she was feeding well and, and also not just falling asleep that's another <laughs> tip don't, don't let your baby fall asleep because it's comforting to them so sometimes they're just kind of snoozing through it and you're like no I'd like to get up and do things so either please drink the milk or just <laughs> you can sleep in your cot but I can't just have you sleeping on my pillow boob <laughs> um love it uh is my own personal preference but I didn't love going out and about um, always breastfeeding in public because I happen to live in London and not everywhere feels like hygienic or nice or I didn't I didn't have anyone with me a lot of the time because I was doing it on my own to start with and it just felt overwhelming to be even in prep like trying to have a shawl over me and then if you need the bathroom like trying to get up and get the baby back in the pram and then sometimes not every cafe has a bathroom you can even get a pram into so then you're like I was asking random people at you know a cafe or oh, please watch my pram with my brand newborn baby and while mm-hmm. I quickly run in and have a, a pee mm-hmm. it just it just stressed me out more than it needed to so in the end I decided if I was going to go out and meet people for lunch I wasn't going to stop doing that but I was going to express before I left mm-hmm. and have my breast milk in a bottle so I could sit wherever I was in any public place make her nice and comfy up against my chest and she would still be having my milk but out of a bottle and that just made me feel a whole lot more 
relaxed than like trying to undo everything and balance stuff and like yeah just just personal some people were absolutely fine with like getting on with it wherever but I just found it was like one too many that's super helpful to know yeah really um freed me up I actually had quite a lot of sort of work meetings as it were um with I don't know like just conductors or casting directors or agents or friends um very soon afterwards before I was singing again but um did that because I felt quite free and I think it um I don't know it's good just like she was perfectly fine and there was no issue there and also that um breastfeeding your breasts are smart and they learn the pattern that you feed in so if as a singer you have a different rehearsal schedule every day or every week and then you can't always be giving those feeds at those times your boobs don't like it they fill up with milk because they're waiting to be used you know yeah yeah um and then you could you also be careful because you could be susceptible to mastitis i don't know how many people you know uh know about that but it's basically inflammation of the of the breast tissue really unpleasant and uh, Mm. um i took i had to take antibiotics for it you don't have to sometimes it can go away just from um like massaging and having showers and kind of letting the milk out yourself but it was because i didn't really fully grasp how much my body had exactly clocked when the feeds were coming and sometimes something as silly as i was enjoying my coffee and it's day an extra hour then i would catch the tube back and it would be a whole two hours out of when usually my i had breastfed because instead i'd given my daughter a bottle Mm. when we were out but of course my boobs didn't know that and they were expecting to have been used and so then I just felt like they were going to explode on my chest Um, just FYI um, think about that with rehearsal schedules because you would need to be um, you would need to pump in advance how are companies with that I mean say that you had your baby with you um, or you had a breast pump with you have companies I mean I've seen companies be accommodating to colleagues but did yeah. you have any experience in terms of that that you needed to express or that you needed to feed? Yeah, um, I yeah I had some experience. I've, I did chat to friends as well who are working at the different UK companies and they, for the most part, I said they've been really supportive and have marked breastfeeding rooms because obviously there's a point in rehearsals where you either don't have a dressing room allocated to you yeah. or the opera where you where the venue that you will perform it in is not actually where the rehearsals take place that's true of quite a lot of festival operas they were good and allocated it because it's really not okay to pump on the toilet like no, no. sometimes that's the only private place and you, you can't sit in the break room and like get your pump out and well you could i mean you, <laughs> you could, could if you wanted i'm not gonna yeah stop, you're, you're i'm not gonna stop a woman if feeling. she wants to i'm just saying that i would want i don't want to be that woman because yeah it's just, just you just want a sense of a bit of just privacy and safety if you choose to have that you know i think it's about the choice for women having the choices available and something you should think about if you're with a company as well so you're needing to express every day because you're at rehearsals longer than you could wait to let's say you haven't brought your baby to rehearsals but obviously you're you need to pump during that time on your breaks and things it's a good thing to think about um you have to carry your sterilized bottles with you because you won't be able to sterilize them on the premises Mm. but then you will need to have a fridge available to you so it's just worth asking if there's somewhere to keep things cool because otherwise all the milk will be wasted and you can do something which they call pump and dump which is the alternative but it made me cry every time I had to figuratively cry every time I had to throw some away because I just thought oh, I've used all that time to actually express it and now it's not even going to go in my daughter it's going yeah. down the sink just to take the pressure off 
off my chest. Um, there's um, an amazing charity called Swapra, and I was linked up with a few of the, well, loads of the women through that, actually, because I happened to do their their incredible gala that they did in July 2018. Mm. And um, I met so many wonderful women who were at all different life stages of um, parenting. But um, afterwards, a lot of them, I was very pregnant at the time, and I was only a month away from giving birth. And a lot of the women at the time said, if you wanted any help or advice, then please do reach out. And I happened to be doing a gig very near where one lived. And she was incredibly kind and just said, I'm not even going to be there because she was working for another company. She said, but you're welcome to come to my house and pump um, and use my home. I know, it's so lovely. So that I would say that, again, if you ask for help, there is a big community of people out there. I mean, that particular gig left me on such a high four weeks before giving birth yeah. to a sort of where I'd be surrounded by all these incredible women. I respect like all these artists that um, I'm I'm singing with tonight. Um, I'm really pregnant. They're framing it as something really positive. A couple of them told me they'd recently given birth and that, you know, their stories and that it hadn't been all great, but, you know, they were absolutely loving being mums. And I was like, great. It's so, such a great night of like dialogue and open conversation. Yes, and I just sort of left. Yeah, I just left buzzing thinking I could chat to any one of these. And even before I'd come to do the gala, I'd reached out to two people her parents who who helped found it and they met me for coffee and they were so great they had mm. totally different birth experiences they've made loads of different choices their family situations are different and it was just so helpful to have two sopranos out there doing it and I just thought great I can just hold like these two different versions and then one other friend who was performing at the Royal Opera House and I and she has a, f- a few children and I just sat down with her and I was like how did you can I just pick your brains and we're not we were sort of colleague friends um and she was incredibly forthcoming and her and her husband invited me over for dinner and just said you know welcome to chat about anything so I would say if you're feeling fearful like I was then um if you ask people I think everybody's been there and Mm. everybody's muddling through and because everybody's putting their best version of life online um, yeah totally I think people are really prepared to be real I never found anyone that was insincere or wouldn't give me the time of day if anything it was the opposite like people were desperate to have these dialogues be opened oh, up absolutely um which was so exciting and I've always wanted to champion women encourage parents and I happen to work in the arts as well so that where that reaches its apex is also to encourage women and parents in the arts but I would happily be encouraging them anyway but it was just um really great so do get out there and ask and the other one other thing I wanted to talk about that was um just something to consider if uh if you're thinking about having children children is the the process of auditioning after you've given birth because I just want to say a little bit about my own yeah. experience which was that I was in a state of essentially euphoria after giving birth which was great like who wouldn't want euphoria I did not get postnatal depression or the thing I was fearful about that you know just I slightly not catastrophized but I just sort of thought out all the worst possibilities and tried to plan against them but my my experience was extremely uh, the opposite of that it was really great so I was full of adrenaline and I gave what I thought was quite a bit of time so I gave myself 12 weeks until I started auditioning again but looking back it was incredibly fast 
from what it is to, to you know, to give birth and <laughs> to do the breastfeeding and the balance you're going through. And you don't really realise you're that sleep deprived. You kind of half know it, but everything's going by in such a blur <laughs> that it's hard to fully take stock. You can't obviously reflect while you're in the moment. And I was just completely in the moment. Yeah. And I, because I was so euphoric and full of adrenaline and I felt really fit and amazingly I I, um, I wasn't sort of struggling with baby weight and I was able to go back and exercise pretty fast so those things felt really great that I also thought um, that I was proportionately like my voice had caught up with all of that and that I was also singing as well as that but I don't think I was in the best position to reflect at that time now I don't think I auditioned poorly anywhere I just think that my euphoria overlapped some of my ability to be analytical about it and if I'd have been if I'd have had a pair, if a teacher, for example, or a coach of mine could have sat in on my auditions, I reckon they would have said, you know, you can give it a few more months. There's just no need to push yourself this hard this early. Yeah. Um, what is the difference the co- that you feel? I just feel stronger in my core. I don't, it's not that I felt weak then because I had felt sort of very full of baby and then give birth. Suddenly not full of baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then very weak in my core. And after 12 weeks, I had inverted commas, felt strong in my core again. But actually, I only felt. 12 weeks stronger having been pregnant and then giving birth which yeah. is definitely nothing like nothing like as strong as I feel now as a different d- different creature altogether and mm. I just I couldn't have really known that because I'd kind of forgotten what my strongest felt self felt like because it's a whole year since once you begin to get quite pregnant you know your core begins to change and then you give birth and it's different again. And it's about a whole 12 months before you would really get back to sort of getting in touch with maybe how your core felt before. And this was with me sort of having a good pregnancy, a good birth, getting yeah. back in the gym, all those things going in my favour. I still think that it was me that put the pressure on myself. And I'm not embarrassed about any of the additions I did. I just don't. I just think any woman that's out there, just give yourself permission to just write to the companies and be honest and just say, I would very much like to audition at your next auditions or would you be happy to hear me in a couple of months or I'm yeah. terribly sorry if that means I miss out on this role, but could I be considered for Just open the dialogue up and be vocal. Don't be Absolutely. silent until the last minute and then panic or don't just force yourself to do the auditions and then sort of write a mumbling apology, something afterwards, because as you know, with any other type of reason that physically you're not up to it people it's too late you know you can't say after the fact so Mm. um and it comes back to the thing of not feeling like we need to prove anything or push anything or you know it's it's the long game it's not you know we don't have to hustle to prove our worth or we don't have to say well I'm ready now if you're not ready now that's okay and if you are ready now but you just don't feel like it you know that is also okay you know I think it's about coming back to our instinct and our power and it's not about fear it's not about anyone else's expectations or what your best mate did I just think you know that instinct for women is so powerful yeah and also I had the most important houses like the big international ones to date offer me and my auditions quite soon after I'd given birth and every part of me as a singer and you know a competitive person and someone that's also just loves their art and loves Mm. to tell their story and wants to be out there doing roles in the best possible um institutions of art that exist uh everything inside me was screaming like take it this is what you've worked for the whole these years just do it but the other part of me had become so much stronger which i'm really grateful for that voice was going you don't need to it nobody at the opera house cares if you wait five months literally they do not care at all whether you you yeah. delay it's like no skin off their back at all it's one email going 
I'm sorry, I'm very bored. I'd love, you know, I'd love to come to your next auditions. I'm actually not available. Yeah. For this one, and the my younger self, my younger self just wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I found it. I found it amazing about myself that having a baby has made me feel happy about saying yes, not yet to like yes. the most important career break opportunities of my career to date, um, which feels totally bonkers in one respect. But actually, it's just it's just a sign of, I guess, growing up and I believe in myself more and I respect myself more and I expect my art form more. And, Amen, sister. Um, yeah, just um, like opera and what I, what I do deserves the best of it and the best of me. And I knew that I wasn't even close you know I don't I would really like to sing 100% that's probably impossible because we never really get to that but I knew that if I went I could only at that point sing at 60% of myself and I thought I at least want to offer you yeah. where I think I'm like 80 or 90 exactly and offer you yourself that experience too you know it's it's that yeah. self-respect thing and saying actually I feel great when I do xyz yeah yeah so um that's my little thought of auditioning after oh, birth it. I don't I don't have any I don't reg- I don't regret that and um, actually one of the companies wrote back to me um afterwards because I obviously asked them all for feedback and um said oh, you're welcome to come again s- soon and um, we just we think we, what well, we know that you've we've seen you sing recently and we think it's probably just because you need a little bit more time to recover which I think hardly any companies would really well, say that yeah. so I was kind of amazed but it was really great so I just thought wow so you're not saying thank you but wait two years and we'll hear you yes. next time they were just like no it's okay um they really humanize the situation yeah oh that's amazing there's just two books that I really wanted to mention that I found immensely helpful. I know everyone loves book recommendations and I also <laughs> said don't read too many books, but this is a singer-specific podcast and book. So it's um, The Singer's Guide to Complete Health and it's essays from all the top doctors in different fields covering everything from mental health to pregnancy to oh, plastic amazing. surgery. I mean, you name it, is covered in this book. So it's more like a reference book with um, very in-depth essays, but it is hugely helpful and that has a whole section on pregnancy and all sorts of um you know issues surrounding it like maybe you might have mental health issues incurred or other things but it's all there and the other one that was the most positive and helpful thing around birth because people definitely frame birth as can be something quite negative it's called the positive birth book which is by millie hill and it's just so funny and jokey and fresh and written by a mum who's just fed up of there being quite a negative talk around it and it's just really informative and just gives a huge overview of sort of every type of birth out there and advice for the immediate living with a very small baby afterwards but I just found it great and totally unjudgmental so oh that sounds awesome just two two recommendations for um any singers thinking about um the road to pregnancy birth and the immediate part afterwards the fourth trimester I hope that episode provided as much uh, insight and connectedness as it did for me. I really enjoyed having that conversation um, with Sam. I just, I felt, yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, she was so vulnerable and honest and um, generous with sharing of her experience. And I think the more voices we can have in that space, the better. Uh, As ever, if you like what we do, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Find us on Instagram at show notes, the podcast 
and head to our website, shownotesthepodcast.com, to sign up for our newsletter mailing list and to find some helpful resources and information and opinion pieces over at the blog. All right, I look forward to touching base with you on socials, in our community, and in the next episode.